Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. 
You're not ready if it's not ready hour foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com Hello and welcome along to 101 Part-Time Jobs. I'm Giles Bitter and this is the podcast where we get Snoopy into artists' lives and find out what they've been up to behind what we get on the record and the videos and everything else online. I'm so excited to welcome the last Morel, Yorkshire guy. His new EP, Sarcasm, is out now. Go and listen to that. This is the party beneath this track. So excited to speak to someone from Yorkshire. Need to get more people from Northern England on this show. This is the 91st episode and we're getting there. I've got something to announce on the 101st episode. But thank you so much for listening, as always. And I've been looking to get a new feature going, and that is getting your stories from your part-time jobs. Whether it's horrible, whether it was heartwarming or profound in some way, or if it's just a, or if it's just an absolutely ridiculous story. Record it on your voice notes and email it to me, 101parttimejobspodcast at gmail.com. And in a couple of weeks, I'll be picking some of the best. Signature Brew is the official beer of 101 part-time jobs. They've been making music-inspired beers since 2011, collaborating with Mastodon, Idols, Sports Team, and a whole bunch of other bands. If you go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, you can make an order to be delivered directly to your door. And with the voucher code 101PODCAST, all capital letters, you can get 10% off. All right, here's the last morale. Go well. Thanks for joining me, James. Thank you so much for being up for it. My pleasure, mate. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I was just saying how, um, you know, you got to start somewhere, don't you, with, with anything. Yeah, absolutely. So, where, so how, did it, how did it start with you? Gosh, I mean, um, in terms of like music playing or work in music or what, where, where particularly? Could we, we could start at me being seven years old playing guitar or we could kind of start at my career starting, I guess, in my early 20s. What would you prefer? <laughs> what was the first gig? First gig I ever did was playing um, my friend's younger brother, my friend's younger brother's uh, like twelfth birthday party. <laughs> nice. They paid, didn't have a choice. I got fifty pounds for that, and uh, oh, that's not bad. It's pretty good. I mean, a, there was a four-piece band, so that was a tenner each plus ten pounds in the pot for you know merchandise or something. <laughs> that's what touring bands get paid now. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Things really haven't improved for us. <laughs> 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 and did you was that a band that you started with your mates like how oh yeah can you that what was, was that kind of feeling behind starting that was fu- that was fully my first ever band I was in a rock band at school and I you know at the time I was listening to Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains and, hell yeah uh, Stone Temple Pilots so I was really really grunging it up I was a big Chris Cornell fan so so that was my first forays into actually playing live and writing songs and they were probably terrible I mean there are some probably really really bad songs um, well, I think when you're that age and you're into those kinds of bands like Stone Temple Pilots mm. or, you know, Chris Cornell type stuff, that their production is just so, you can't even imagine how to make those sounds on your own, can you? Yeah. And it just like the kind of vocal that people like Chris Cornell or Lane Staley from Alice in Chains, the kind of vocal that they were achieving, that really gritty, pained, mm. you know, they're all heroin addicts. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, there was such like an emotion in their voices that I could just never achieve as a pubescent boy <laughs> i always thought it's quite hard to look at those bands like songwriting quite objectively because you can see how you know a band like blink 182 or the offspring mm-hmm. you know you can see how you can kind of emulate that 
with with those grunger Seattle bands, mm. it's a bit harder, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. I mean, there was just some like really good, interesting guitar playing going on at the time. It was a bit over my head, maybe when I was a teenager. Um, and just, yeah, they really, I think when I was listening to that kind of music as a teenager, they ended, I ended up going into things like Porcupine Tree and some kind of prog stuff. And yeah. I always, it's kind of definitely stuck me in a path of always liking to hear things I wasn't expecting. Um, mm. Do you know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. I think that's such a good thing to get into. I think we, I think it's so easy to just um, get into one thing and, and stick with it. Mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, and it definitely gave me a kind of toxic mentality at school. You know, I was so anti-pop music when I was a teenager because of it. You know, I was like, God, this formulaic bullshit, man. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, at some point you have to, I mean, compromise is the wrong word in this in this situation, isn't it? But, you know, when you're writing music now, um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of years between those, but mm. when did the pop sensibility start creeping into your mind? Do you know what? I think, uh, I mean, after that band and then I went off to uni and and uh, and I didn't study music. I did a, a fucking geography degree, which was great, but unrelated. Um, and I was mm. still playing all that kind of music up, up, up through that period, you know, still doing the rock thing. And then I moved to London and realized that people don't like heavy rock music in a modern society. And I was living in the past and that was fine. I, I still enjoyed it, but it kind of made me go, okay, what's, what's everyone else listening to? What am I missing? And that was the mm. first time I'd really appreciated that I was wrong. <laughs> uh, so how serious were you at that point? You know, I was, in my head, I was always going to be a musician. Um, like that was always ever going to be. But I think at school it was taught to me quite reasonably to play it safe, you know, have a plan B. And naturally things that you mean to be your plan B end up being your plan A. So I was encouraged to do very sciencey subjects at school. And then I went and did a geography degree. And then even moving to London, you know, I, I got like a graduate sales job. I was doing cold call sales, you know, selling advertising. Yeah. And and I've done all sorts of jobs that weren't music because best be careful just in case music doesn't work out, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So moving to London was my first step into like, right, I'm actually going to fucking do this now. Um, and Had you been having to push that feeling down, that sort of motivation? Had you sort of not want to bring it up? to you know people you're dating yeah. or family you know what it was more like it was my my dream you know and it stayed as like just the dream so I was doing mm. you know whatever job I was doing at the time and then being a musician was the dream and maybe I'll do a gig in a pub somewhere and some guy from Universal might just be there you know a bit like Jez in Peep Show I was very much like <laughs> <laughs> just deluded yeah. and like thought it was just going to happen one day if I practice really hard and then I realized that, you know, I was living in Newcastle at the time, which is a beautiful city. Um, and there is, there is industry there, but for me, I was like, oh, well, I need to, I need to go to London. That's where the work is, you know? Uh, and then when I got here, I, I decided to learn to play keys, you know, I was, I was a guitarist really. And then I taught myself keys just to make myself hireable as a session musician. I thought that's a good doorway in and, you know, uh, and yeah. that's when I really started having to open my ears and, and consume pop music more voraciously than I ever had done before. The thing I find interesting about all of that is you've clearly been quite smart about it. You know, I mean, even though, even though you might have felt like Jez with that dream in mind, you also, and it stuck out to me when you said, if you worked really hard, if you practiced really hard, mm. you know, I, I think a lot of people think it's going to come to them. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but mm. you know, in this day and age, you have to not only rehearse real hard, but you've got to take the ball by the horns, right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, I... I um I always felt slightly disadvantaged that 
you know, my, my, my peers and my flatmates and friends, a lot of them all went to music uni and, and took that path. And therefore they had those connections at 21 that would get them gigs and get them in with musical directors and things like that. And I always felt very much behind the curve because I'd done a different, like I'd done a science degree and my yeah. jobs, you know, post that were, I was a support worker looking after disabled people and I did bars and restaurants. I did the corporate sales thing. I've taught, you know, I've done all sorts of other stuff and I've always been like, shit, I need to, I need to really pull my socks up and catch up with these people. And that's actually really been a powerful motivator for, for, you know, just keeping up with people who I think are the best, you know? All of those side jobs, Mm. did you struggle getting through those days knowing that, (laughs) did you feel like you didn't belong there? I mean, there's quite yeah, a few definitely. jobs in there. But. Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I've, I've done so much, um, so many different things. And yeah, I always felt like I could do them and do a good job and enjoy those jobs because they were a means to an end. Mm, you know, yeah. I, I, yeah. I've i never held down another job longer than a year other than teaching. I teach music in a primary school. And I still do that one day a week kind of because they're, they're very flexible on touring and things like that. So they're really good. Um, but but yeah, I never held down a job longer than a longer than a year because it was like, right, I've done this for a year. Why am I not a musician now? Next, you know, and like what's going to Great. enable me? And and it all kind of led towards me working in a pub. And then I started getting things like function gigs. You know, I was singing in wedding bands and playing keys and guitar in wedding bands. Again, going through this whole imposter syndrome thing where I realized, you know, I think my one of my defining moments was probably playing a function at, do you know, Poppy's Fish and Chips in Camden? Uh, yeah i think i know the one by spitalfields yes of course the one in shoreditch as well yeah so i did a function and gig with a just insane band you know these guys are all church guys and they could really play and i was like christ i really need to get better again <laughs> um yeah so it was just it's been a constant journey of that for me really when was that what year was that at popeyes oh that would have been 2016 i think that was the year i decided to learn keys yeah. I think it is funny how the years just kind of blur, <laughs> especially oh. when you when you're doing something creative. I know that sounds really lame and like a cliche, but yeah. It's it's like that, right? There's a great lyric, um uh the years just pass like trains, I wave but they don't slow down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so time waits for no one. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. I think the older you get, the the less a year represents in your life, of course, and that's why we feel that way, isn't it? When you're 4, a whole year is a quarter of your life. You know, when you're 25, 26, suddenly those years mean a lot less in terms of the chasm of your actual existence so far. So yeah. Absolutely. I think it's a disease as well of comparing yourself to people. Mm. Um, oh. I quite often, what I have in the past, I've looked at people whose who, whose jobs I would like to do <laughs> and yeah. I look at how old they are. Yeah. And, and like, in, there's no other field where, I mean, maybe acting as well, but there's no other field where you're, your measure of success is um has to be at the peak by the time you're 30 you know any mm-hmm. corporate position or any any other facet of, of of a career you know 50s is where you peak isn't it that's when you're the top oh, this job. is why folk, folk music's great right yeah because you can still <laughs> you can still be old and doing the damn thing <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely but pop music that- you know i mean like i i do session session gigs as, as my like my main side job as it were and, you know, I know for a fact that when I'm in my 30s, the, the pop auditions will gradually start to slow down, you know. How does that work being in a in a session band? Do you go to an audition that you find online or? Um, it's one of those connections. It's, it's pure nepotism, at the, the foundation, you know, and that's why that was that kind of whole 
I need to catch up with people thing because I didn't have those connections out of university. So I came to London with a friend who's an, just an insane guitarist and he got a session gig and gradually built up the contact base around around that kind of stuff. And gradually you get known amongst musical directors who are putting together bands. And I've done a lot of auditions and I've you know done a lot of gigs where I just get a call and say, hey, you know, can you do the one show next week with the Shires? <laughs> that's that's wow. You know, it's kind of it's kind of wild. It's it's pretty sporadic sometimes and. You know, I mean, this year was supposed to be my big year of touring as a session musician. I was, I was, um, I'm playing for the support artist on the Dua Lipa tour. <laughs> and, oh, wow. Yeah, yeah. So like lots of cool things like that, that obviously have been canned for the time being, but next year, hopefully, you know. I'm imagining a kind of extras style in music world. Oh, Ricky Gervais, you mean extras as in Ricky Gervais? Yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that, well, you know, it's not as... The good thing is, like, everybody's super, super nice. <laughs> There's not this kind of... I'm thinking of the scene with his his mate who he's always been really competitive with in extras. You know the guy? <laughs> I don't know the one, but I could just completely imagine it. Yeah, there's no, there's none of that really. Everyone's like super nice, but of course, like you know, there's only a few people that play keys and guitar and sing like me. So I'm just like, oh, that motherfucker got that fucking gig. That's my gig, man. You know. <laughs> See, so you know people who are who are on your sort of they're they're your opposite number, as it were. Yeah, yeah, and we call In each other when we can't do something. So we still have good relationships, but it's always like, oh man, I wanted that gig. It's it's. But and you get paid all right for that sort of stuff, don't you? Yeah, I think so. It's hard to compare it, really, but um, probably get more than touring for oh, yourself, maybe. God, I yeah. <laughs> um, I mean, even if you were doing quite like a big tour, I imagine you know it's not a whole lot of money. No, yeah. I think I think for someone at my level, you know, I'm I'm still kind of I'm unsigned, I'm unmanaged, I'm unpublished. I'm like hitting all the BBC introducing kind of hot lists and doing that kind of stuff. Um, mm. But if I was to go on a support tour, you know, I mean, most people pay to go on to support tours, you know. Yeah, you hear about it, don't you? Yeah. Oh, in pop music, I think that's pretty much the standard, you know. So really? I know I know full well that when I do my first tours as my my own project, um, I'll be going out by myself probably with a piano and a guitar. Maybe a good friend will join me for some London dates and those kind of things. But I know really that mm. affording to pay musicians is not something I'm going to be able to do for a while unless I get signed. Well, it's good to not be any under, you know, not be under any false pretenses, right? Yeah, and I think like doing the session thing has given me a quite a glorious insight in how not to spend money. You know, you watch some right, people, yeah. some people like just fly, and then some people you're like, God, I'm wasting that money on that. And I've really learned how to manage myself to a degree <clears throat> so far. Um, so it's been it's been really valuable kind of insight, I guess. Do you see? Are those two different? you know, are those complete two completely different worlds for you, the session musician and then the last morale? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, um, you know, I'm, most of my contact in the session musician world is with other musicians and, and the artists themselves. I don't really get a look into the industry. You know, I'm not, I'm not constantly sat at the same dinner table as, as record label, like A&R people or managers and things like that. So yeah, the two, the two don't run side by side particularly well. I have to really and often as well, if you if you get a big tour, you have to kind of put the 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 solo projects on on a side thing. And really, the reason I moved to London is to be a solo artist or you know do that thing. So so the session thing is kind of a side gig for me, and and it's kind of hard balancing the two if one gets busy. I think exactly what you said. That's the crux of this whole podcast, and it's just interesting how everyone has a different story and how everyone everyone's brains react differently to different situations. Mm. Um, I'm definitely from the world of, of rock and punk music where, you know, a lot of people were just drinking 
coming out of that, I'm like, oh, I wish I was smarter. You know, I wish I was more mm. like you, I suppose, man. You know, <laughs> just joke. like no, just knowing exactly what I was doing and not just kind of being like, oh, well, I'm on this train track and it's going to take me somewhere. You know, being in control of your own destiny. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting, isn't it? When did the rock star image change from being the kind of drunk, you know? attitude-filled layabout to suddenly mm. having to be a businessman. I think uh, for me, it was Dave Grohl of all people. Yeah, You know, like yeah. he was in Nirvana, you know, he was like dropping four tabs of acid and like doing all the wild stuff. And then all of a sudden, you know, you see Foo Fighters and you see he's like, he's a driven businessman. And, and you know, ultimately I think um, that's that's kind of the model I, I hope to emulate, you know. I mean, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not in a suit. But, um, but no, I, I, I get that about Dave Grohl as well. He's clearly out there to have fun, mm. but it's organized fun is again, a bit of a cliche, but you know what I mean? Yeah. He's obviously smart. He's obviously organized himself. I mean, I, I, I would love to speak to Dave Grohl and just be like, yeah. at what point did you realize you're going to have to be smart about this? Yeah. He's a super interesting dude. I mean, I think, I think my feeling is, you know, I might only get one shot at this. And, you know, mm. I, and because I, I haven't been, you know, I don't have those, just those connections, you know, you see, you see people, mm. I've worked for people before and there's no point in naming names, but it'll be some 19 year old kid and they'll be like, I'll be like, wow, your songs, your songs are kind of cool. But like, how did you get that huge deal with a, like whatever the label is? And it'll be like, oh yeah, yeah well, you know, my mum's um, on the board. <laughs> it's just uh, like oh, okay so that's how you got where you are and I don't I just don't have that them. yeah I don't have any of that so I know I've got to make it by myself relatively yeah. speaking and therefore I might only get one shot at meeting the right people and I don't want to be hammered or high <laughs> when yeah. I meet those people it just doesn't yeah. fly in 2020 so so yeah, yeah got to be relatively sensible that sounds so dull doesn't it but it's true no, but I mean, you can have fun doing that. That doesn't mean you can't have a beer and have, have a laugh. It's yeah. just kind of like knowing what's the priority. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And Lord knows I love a beer, so <laughs> no danger of not. When, I mean, are there any circles in, you know, that kind of pop music world that you're in where, you know, a group of people that you are like, you know, I want to be hanging out with them. I want to be running in the same circles as them. Is is there a scene as such like that? I think... um for you. Yeah, that's interesting. I'm in. I am in a little scene of of people um, that's just kind of naturally formed. And scenes are kind of a strong word. We're just friends, you know. It's just yeah, I, I yeah, live. Yeah. I live in a house in northeast London with three of my good friends. Who are one's a drummer and one's a guitarist, and another one's a guitarist. And and then next door to us is a concert violinist and another uh, jazz pianist. And they happen to be friends cool. of ours. So it's like six of us all of a sudden. And then you suddenly find that your friends all start coming to the house, you meet people and it's just like all of a sudden you're in this nice little bubble of musicians and everyone's giving each other gigs. And, you know, it's like Great. we kind of built our own little scene and um, some of the guys are on some really good, really big pop gigs. Um, and, um, and yeah, everyone stands to kind of benefit from being in that kind of circle. You know, it's, um, it's quite nice. You can see that. I think you need to be friends with people who are on a similar level to you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I've because you bounce, you bounce off each other, and you don't feel, you know, isolated from. Mm. You know, if you had housemates that were getting up at seven thirty, come back at seven thirty, mm. you you might feel like, you know, a layabout or a reprobate. You know, because yeah. you're at home making music. And the best thing is, you know, like I, I mean, my motto has always been to surround myself with people who I think are better than me. 
you know, mm-hmm. um, in whatever way it is where, you know, my flatmate, Michael, he's just one of the best guitar players I've ever met. Um, and so cool. I'm always been like, right, how well, what would Michael do? You know, and like yeah. surrounding yourself with people who are better than you just pushes you forward. You know, my other flatmates learned to be a proper producer in lockdown and it's like, fuck, uh, cool. That's so good. Everyone's kind of pushing themselves and therefore kind of vicariously pushing each other. It's, it's kind of sick. And talk about your lockdown story with the video, which is amazing. <laughs> yeah, thanks. And the Jesse Ware shout out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, it's, it's good. That Jesse Ware thing, you know, that first Radio 1 play I've ever had, that happened a month into lockdown. So that was a nice little beacon of hope kind of moment. And then, yeah. And then I just realized, you know, I was like, fuck it. I really need to just put out a record this year, you know, make 2020 something positive. And I've always had this obsession with stop motion animation. Um, and if you, you ever see the video for Bed Shapes by Keen, do you know that one? No, no. But I saw you talk about that in an interview with Wonderland, I think. Yeah, yeah. So like some, there's some really key kind of videos, uh, animated videos from, from back when I was a kid that really affected me. I suddenly, you know, I always found myself being affected by animations more than I was by actors. I've always found kind of right. actors in music videos to be a little bit cringe sometimes as well, because people are usually yeah. going, I want to do this 10 grand budget video, but with 500 quid. Um, so animation yeah. was a way for me yeah. to kind of do it by myself. You know, the budget was about 400 quid. I think I spent on everything for the video and I just spent Brilliant. six months learning how to do animation and, um, and yeah, I've got one no now. Way. <laughs> <laughs> that is so good. And for anyone listening who doesn't, who maybe hasn't, you know, most people haven't seen how mm. much a music video costs. People spend thousands upon oh, thousands. Ridiculous. Videos that do not look like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, like to, to pay an animator to do a video, you'd be spending at least, I, I, I would guess, between five and 10 grand because it's just so yeah. time intensive, you know? Yeah. Um, so to do it myself but of course the other side of it is that when you get artists like that who are you know you're all creating you know you're all making art from 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 nothing right mm. and it is and it is funny how you know i think musicians probably get paid the worst oh yeah <laughs> absolutely we're, we're the bottom of the food chain for sure you know you know and why I, is that do you think i think it's because everybody is queuing up to do the job so you know i'm very lucky the artists that i work for treat me really well and their managers do as well but but it's a common story that you know a tour will get changed and the band will find out last and it's not a case of asking the band if they're free it's like okay so you know that tour we're supposed to be going on next week it's cancelled now we can't give you anything for the time Mm. um it's going to be moved to september and it's like holy shit that's the money i was going to pay my rent with you know and they can do that because there's always somebody ready to do it because they want to go on the tour. There's always somebody else who will, is willing to do it and they're willing to do it cheaper or, you know, all that kind of stuff. So it's a very, very yeah. competitive job role, really. Totally. Yeah. And, you know, you mentioned earlier that, you know, don't have a label or a publisher or an agent or manager yet. Mm. Yeah. Can you see that changing? Yeah. I mean, um, I think those things kind of happen quite naturally. At the moment, I'm, I'm managing myself quite happily. Um, but, but, you know, I'm kind of, I'm reaching the stage where I'm opening, opening myself up to the idea of having a team. I think it's getting to the stage where I need, need some more people on board. You know, there's only so far mm. I can, I can take it. And to be honest with you, obviously I only just want to do the art long-term anyway. You know, I don't, yeah, yeah. I don't read, you know, uh, when you do your own PR, you have to read the feedback because <laughs> some people yeah. say, some people send you back like, yeah, we love it. We're going to feature this in our blog or we're going to add it to this playlist. And some people, I got a hilarious review for the party um from some guy oh, yeah. and sometimes it's just like some old dude in nashville who loves music you know he writes his own blog and nobody reads it but you know and, and some of the reviews you get some of them are just 
fucking hysterical um and you have to learn to not take them to heart you know like it's yeah. um, it's quite a it's quite a exhausting process you know doing things like submit hub god damn like i mean yeah that stuff yeah all those mental. uploaders are hard mm, yeah so I don't, then you get a couple of ones like amazing radio which is so good yeah i mean um, that's that's a great one i mean the I guess the biggest thing for me, you know, BBC Introducing have mm. been like my real bastions of support. They've really been behind me since the beginning, you know. Uh, What's your story with them? How, when was, you know, when was your first correspondence? I, uh, I uploaded my first single, Fine Now, to the uploader about three weeks before the release date, thinking it'll take them a few weeks to listen to it. And um, they listened to it the next day and played it on that that weekend show which was annoying because i didn't have the single out so anyone who listened to the song couldn't actually go and listen to it and they made it record of the week and it was just like for fuck's sake so i learned a lesson but but ever since then uh, the guy who runs the the introducing show where i'm from is a guy called jericho keys and another guy called adam and they're just like they're just really really like uh tuned into like the local talent um so so yeah they've been they've been really behind me from the start and i got to play like that bbc introducing live thing at tobacco docks last year and no way um, cool yeah it's been really good they've been great tobacco docks is a funny place it is isn't it yeah i've rehearsed there once and it was really weird but um it's such a cool place with some interesting history i think as well i I can't remember but there's some crazy history where that's where news international was is it where all the strikes happened like where the papers where all the all the papers were Oh, um, wow. Fucking Murdoch. <laughs> fucking um, Murdoch. <laughs> have you, do you feel like you've explored London quite a lot since being here? Yeah. I mean, I've always been a North London guy, I guess. <laughs> I mean, I've always lived in Northeast London and I am from vaguely the Northeast of England. So there's maybe some weird nice. relation there. But um, yeah. Where are you, Walthamstow? I was, wa- no, I, I, I first lived in Woodgreen um, yeah. and then I lived in Walthamstow. And then now I'm kind of Stokey, Stamford Hill and great yeah well the the brewery that sponsors this podcast signature brew oh yeah is yeah. only up the road oh mate i love signature i used to work in a pub and we uh yeah so signature signature beers beautiful stuff it's great it is the lager the red lager yeah oh man great it's really tasty yeah 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 so i mean just to end with when, when the jesse Ware thing happened you know i don't want to sort of beat it around too much but it is a great you know that's a great contextual you know that's great contextualization for 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 someone trying to you know listen to your music you know Mm. yeah it was um it was really affirming for me because the music i'm making i i didn't picture myself being pop music in inverted commas pop music Mm. um just because like some of the themes are uh, like a little bit weird and the the song structures are not like it's not your typical pop songs you know and um, I didn't think I was going to get Radio One plays and things like that. Um, so it was it was really nice to actually have that affirmation that maybe I could slip into the pop category. Um, totally. Uh, so totally. that was that, yeah, that was great. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and it's not it's not it must be nice knowing that you know that's not the be all and end all. It's a nice feather to your cap, you know. Mm. Um, and it and it's it's a nice way for people to find out about you. But ultimately, does it does it change the way that you see yourself and you know what you're going to do in the future? No, I think it's it's nice. But like any accolade, once you've got it, it's you forget about it pretty quickly, and you're like, what's next? You know, you kind of not to forget about it. I'm still super appreciative, obviously, for the play. But I'm already like I'm already like, how do I get my next play? How do I how do I do how do I level up from here? What once you set a standard for something, it's like 
okay, I have to go above that next time. So how do I, how do I go about that? So, so there's no, yeah, there's no complacency here. I mean, like one radio play on radio one is awesome, but I want to be, you know, I would be lying if I said I didn't envisage myself headlining the pyramid stage one day, you know? <laughs> Brilliant. Fucking A. Well, we'll have to do another one next year and then just one a year from every now, you know, every Sounds year now, good, James. Man. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> awesome well, thank you so much what are you up to tonight for the rest of the week uh the rest of the week i'm doing some production stuff i'm actually recording the next animated v- music video at the moment because i'm mental oh, cool um ah, i'm great. doing a 2d animation for the party which is the, the the first single off this ep that's just come out um a bit more upbeat and it's kind of like a sarcastic look at trying to leave a party but being unable to because people keep thrusting drinks in your hands so it's a bit more fun um, brilliant but it's it's sarcastic i mean sarcasm's the name of the record it is yeah that, i mean that's probably why you know i realized at the end of it i was like god you are a sarcastic fuck but um but yeah so i'm, I'm just gonna be doing lots of animation this week and in the run-up to christmas and probably forever really it takes so long <laughs> yeah have you have you got a schedule or are you just kind of beating away at it uh i'm beating away at it because trying to trying to put a schedule in place is just um it, everything takes longer than you think you know i spent so much time i basically got all of my friends in this one i've basically like drawn cartoon bodies and got pictures of their heads um pulling different facial expressions to kind of stick on the bodies it sounds kind of weird oh, if yeah. anyone came to my room they'd think i'm a fucking creep i've got like 350 photos of heads on my desk um being being john malkovich uh i haven't seen that you know I saw it for the first time the other day. I don't want to like come across like I'm, you know, I saw it in '98. <laughs> I saw like I saw it three days ago. <laughs> uh, it's a bit, of but a- everyone's seen it apparently. Is it? Yeah, I don't know. It does look. In- is it funny or is it weird or both? Uh, both. I actually kind of didn't like it. It made me feel a bit too weird. I like watching easy stuff. You know, there's a place for both, isn't there? You know, like there is the people who pretend to be so cultured they would never watch The Expendables. I'm just like, yeah, get over yourself, man. <laughs> yeah, dude. Tonight, actually, I, was, I just want to watch Paddington too. So <laughs> fine. that's absolutely fine. I tried to watch The Matrix last night. Have you? Obviously, you've seen. The- oh shit! Yeah, of course. But years ago, oh, man, it just has dated badly. <laughs> really? Oh, it's just. I, I know it's a good action film, but like. Just like the script and like the whole story. I mean, like the theme of the, like the idea of the story is so sick, but like it was quite hard to watch. And they've got these huge Nokia mobile phones that are like flip phones. It's just like the whole, and the computer's about 15 feet, feet thick, you know, it's like, it's kind are of the action crazy. scenes. Okay. Yeah. But it's definitely really dated the way they do kind of, uh, it's Keanu Reeves and I've forgotten the guy's name who plays Morpheus, but they do these like this kind of like Kung Fu scene. And it's almost like, mm. it's almost like they're taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> they probably were they're probably having a laugh between takes weren't they yeah it's probably a bit problematic but it's um it's fun i mean it's fun isn't it everyone listening to this will have to go back to it oh yeah i mean it's a it's a cult classic isn't it you can't knock it but i just did so, we can start yeah. we can start a discord server about it yeah <laughs> brilliant james thank you so much mate i really appreciate my it. pleasure dude thank you so much for having me so there he is it the last morel here on 101 part-time jobs Please rate and review the podcast. Let your friends know about it and get in your stories. Send in your stories of work mishaps. I want to, I want to hear all of them. 101 part-time jobs podcast at gmail.com. I'll be waiting. I've been working all day for me mate on the side. Running around like a blue ass fly. I've been working, yeah, I've been working all day for me mate.
This is a Mighty Moon Media Podcast. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.